Okay, so, uh, um, yeah. All right, so we're up to uh, number three. This is in chapter two of section seven, and it's the chapter on Arias. It's, uh, we're talking here about the Leisaseis and about uh, the positive aspect of Leisaseis. And of course, Arias is something which is, uh, is, is, is uh, we brought from the Rambam, that ain't at kahal chosman v'zman arayas This is not a new phenomenon, Arias. It's something which is uh, every generation, there was always, these were always issues that people struggle with. It's a nafshishal adam, it's avalahen, right? Uh, we had in Dafyemi, was it yesterday, that that's why we lay in Arayas on Yom Kippur by Mincha, is because it's something Rashi says, which everyone is, is Misavah. And we spoke last week the idea that you have to take precautions, right? You have to take precautions. So, uh, so the way you take precautions, right? Um, the number one, the first thing he says um, is, is recognizing that, that this is an issue, right? So the Ramam brings down that there were Gedolim, or Meir, or Tarfin that told their Tamidim, be careful when I'm near my daughters, be careful when I'm near my daughters-in-law. The Ramam says, you know, not that this was their issue, and, and probably because this is a very unusual taiva, right? Daughters and daughters-in-law is not something which is very common, and though to say that Punctum Mayor of Tarfin had this issue is probably, you know, is a little strange, but that don't be embarrassed, and because if you're embarrassed, then number one is you're not going to take the proper safeguard. Eh, doesn't, I, need, I don't need to have a filter on my phone. I don't need to be worried about my secretary. Uh, that's the first step to, to slipping, and then uh, before you know it, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're in. And second of all, if you're ashamed, then uh, you're not going to get the proper help, right? You're ashamed of what you did. You're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to help yourself, right? So, uh, right. And we said that the two reasons why people struggle with these things, or two, two of the reasons, he says, number one is because you're seeing a person in a very artificial environment, right? You're a person in work, right? So your wife, you're seeing in, in all the the. Uh, you know, the day-to-day routines and, uh, you know, and all the, 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 the dirty and the cleaning and the tired and, you know, without makeup. Whereas when you're seeing women, in, you know, in outside of their natural habitat, they tend to be, uh, you know, looks very different. Um, in, in addition, he says, it's just the fact that it's different, right? It's just that people always want something else. People always want something different, right? And therefore, we have to be uh, very, very careful. This is my Gnuvim issue. Okay, so what taka, what taka do we do? So the first thing he says, and I think, I think we said this yesterday, is the idea of, he's talking from Chaim Shmulevitz, right? That, um, you know, the Gemara says that the schus that Yosef, the Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, Hayom Rav was the schus that Yosef ran out the door by Yeshus Petifa. So Chaim Shmulevitz says, what are you talking about? We said this last week, right? He says that uh, he ran away. He didn't win the Nisayin. He, he avoided the Nisayin, right? So we have to know, that's what we have to do. We have to avoid the Nisayin. We spoke about Yichud as being, uh, as being the thing which, uh, which is the, the basic, the basic uh, thing that Chazal instituted to help us prevent uh, you know, these issues, Yichud. And uh, I think now there's like this big push that the therapists, men therapists can't see women and, you know, because of recent events. Again, this is the issues of Yichud. Okay, let's go back to number five. Up to number five. Okay, the Rambam lists another behavior that is harmful. Right, a person should be careful from sechayik, from, from levity, drinking, and divrei agavim uh, is speaking improperly. For they are great precipitators and speak and steps leading to forbidden relations. Right. So Rama's point is that reining in our urges requires great self-control. Anything that loosens self-control sets us up to succumb to desire. When a person is with a group of light-headed people and everyone is drinking in a subtle way, daring each other, he is ever closer to aver. Right, this is what we said. The, you know, the, the Gemara says that 
right? So this is what Ravarno, when he spoke after this whole world of things, like, yeah, we'll talk all the, all the big op-eds, but uh, on a personal level, right? When you see a scientific, you see a woman who stumbled, and you see a, an aver that she slipped into, what should you do? Yazar asim and right? Because these are the kinds of things, um, you know, drinking and partying, which leads a person down that slippery slope. Right, you're with other people, you know, your inhibitions are down and you're starting to dear each other. And uh, so um, it's important to avoid situations where you're not in control of yourself, right? In Slabotka, they didn't even, they didn't like, you know, they didn't like drinking even on Purim, right? A person should never be in a situation where he's not in control. Okay, different shitas. We don't, uh, we don't pass you like Slabotka apparently. But, uh, but uh, the idea that, uh, you know, a person should, should avoid situations where he doesn't have control. Another point from the Rambam, number six. A person should engage his thoughts in Torah and wisdom, for thoughts of Arias are found in the heart empty of wisdom. Right? Now again, this is excellent advice for a person who's learning, right? A guy is learning all day, so you spend time learning and you focus on learning, so you could uh, hopefully clear your mind of Machshav Azaris. It says, But Lamaisa, the Gemara Chazalsa, Yegiya Shneim, uh, oven, right? Spending time learning and doing work. Derech Eretz is also Meshkechas Avon. Unoccupied time and an empty mind fosters a restlessness that leads to a search for pleasure, right? This is Batala, maybe they, you know, uh, Shima, Batala, maybe they, uh, A person needs to be constantly busy and occupied. It could be Taira, Klal activities, even his business or personal affairs. It needs to be something that occupies the mind fully and harnesses his time and energy. The Katsuka Rebbe would say, I don't expect my Tamidim to have the fortitude not to sin. I expect them not to have the time to sin. And this is in general, I, you know, two things. First of all, it's just a beautiful verse from Rev Hirsch, right? A carbon oil we know is brought for being over on a mitzvah sasei. So a person doesn't do a mitzvah sasei, you bring a carbon oil. In addition, the Gemara says, as Mar Yuma, that, a, that an oil comes from machshavais asura. So a person has, you know, machshavais he's, he's thinking improper thoughts. I mean, what does that have to do with a mitzvah sasei, right? So he says that, that having machshava zaris comes not from having machshava zaris, right? It's not that you had a machshava that you shouldn't have had a lesa say. It's that you didn't focus on the positive, right? Doing, focusing on positive and being busy with positive things is how you avoid, right? The sin of, when a person is not thinking positively and not doing positive things, machshava zaris are the default. A person's brain will just wander and, is, and, and, and this is where it goes. Right, this is, uh, this is human nature, right? So if you want to avoid these kinds of things, you need to be occupied. And also, even not machshavis, just in general. You know, to have, you know, that's in my opinion, my humble opinion, well, I'm not that humble, but uh, this is, a, it's, is that most of the ills of today's world come from this issue, which is that we just simply have too much time. It's that we're rich people, right? When, when you spent, you know, 20, 20 hours a day just surviving, not getting killed or struggling for parnasa, right? Working hard, mamish, you know, working 15 hour days. You came home, you had a few minutes to dive and learn, and then you went to sleep and started all over again. So you, you were just, you were happier because, again, you were, you were focused on something. Your folk right now, when we're so much, we have so much luxury, so much leisure. So our minds start start making ourselves crazy, focusing on on, on right. In, in you know, in 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 a, in a psychological sense, we're always looking for threats, right? This is you know, a human, the, the, the human drive of survival, right? This is how you know the, uh, you know, um, what's it called? You know, the neurobiologists think about these things. We're always looking for threats, right? That this is the way we survive. We're always constantly on alert. So when the threats were you know, Cossacks and the Nazis, so this is what you're focused on. But when we don't have to, Baruch Hashem, we don't have to worry about these things so much so we're, we're, we're looking at other threats this guy babbled me this guy was mean to me this guy did a microaggression against me right because we have so, we simply have so much time the greatest way to, to be happy just general happy and, and right is by simply occupying yourself being constructive 
And again, nowadays it's very, very easy to lose yourself in all sorts of luxury and leisure. We baruch Hashem, we don't have to work so hard. That's a good thing. But at the end of the day, we need to occupy ourselves. So whether it's making an additional seder, taking up an additional skill, even just getting a second job, you don't need it, or working extra just to fill your time. It's, it's simply, it's the healthiest thing you can do, and this is avoids all sorts of averis, right? Again, don't, you know, I don't expect a person to be able to be oimid bin asayin. I expect them not to have the time to do avera. Being busy with paz is so much you can do, you know, not, not sitting there and just wasting time and, and, and uh, you know, because wasting time is the worst thing. It leads to unhappiness and it leads, of course, to Avera. Finding ways to occupy your time in a constructive way doesn't have to be, you know, I don't know, playing an instrument, whatever it is, you know, working on a project. You know, we sell ourselves short sometimes and we can all do it. We can do, uh, you know, I was just uh, listening to this interview in the Svarim chatter with this guy. A 29-year-old guy just wrote this beautiful safer on, on milk, right? There's a big tumult about Trefus and milk. He did major research. 29-year-old kid, he wrote this massive safer, amazing research. He started as like a hobby. And like, uh, it's amazing. It's just like an incredible, you know, we sell ourselves short. This guy doesn't even have to be, I don't know, maybe he's a genius. But like, you know, if you have, we have so much time in our day that if we just focus it on something positive, we just would be happier and we would avoid so many of the problems that, we, uh, that come up in our lives. And then finally, he brings out number seven, the Shulchan Aruch rules that Ein Shoyalim B'Shleim Isha. You can't inquire about a strange woman's welfare. Okay, this doesn't mean obviously just saying good morning and like uh, being cordial. It means a deeper, more meaningful conversation. We need to be unfailingly polite and pleasant to coworkers and support staff. That's of course. But there is no room for a deeper conversation with a colleague of the opposite gender about anything. If the person has an issue that needs to be addressed, help is available from appropriate professionals. A heart-to-heart conversation, even out of compassion, simply has no place. It becomes a slippery slope and entangles us in an emotional bond that can lead to an abyss. Civility, cordiality, and compassion are extremely important relating to our fellow man or woman, but we must use wisdom in deciding how to utilize that compassion. And again, this is an obvious point, you know, uh, you know when everyone went crazy over Mike Pence's right, refusal to go out to eat with a woman, right? He's 100% right, and <laughs> this is like, it's a no-brainer. You're not, you don't have to be the psychologist for, uh, you know, for girls working in your office. That's not your job. You'd be nice and cordial, and uh, again, and like, just to repeat what we said last week, is that there are natural barriers in our society, in our community, particularly Jewish community, between you know, the, the, the sexes, right? There are natural barriers, right? Men and women are separate in most things. But there are some times where those barriers are broken naturally. So in a work environment, right? So, all, so right away, there's a, uh, there's a barrier that was, no, was knocked down, right? And so therefore, we just have to be extra alert, be extra makhbut on all these extra halachas and create maybe additional types of barriers when the natural barriers are not there. Okay, so until this point, we discuss what activities lead to an undesirable effect down the road. I'd like now to turn to some reflections regarding why we should stay away from Arias prone behavior. Obviously, it's awesome and Atayra, and it's a terrible Avera, and it's a terrible punishment when there was a Bezdin, you know, Eishasish, these kinds of things, right? It's Ofa Wailam Hab, obviously. But he wants to focus on a few things that are more practical, Lamaisa, uh, just in our day to day lives, right? There's an interesting uh, the, the history of Tubishvat. Right, that pertains to the Averis of Arias. If you look in the, the Svudam Akdashim, this is a part of the, uh, this is what comes up in the end of the Yavim. Okay, first of all, is Taiva's insatiable. This is a very important and very famous Ramban. Right, the beginning of Mitzavim, he says, he's going to put it into his own words. A person has needs and natural mechanisms, right, urge him to fulfill his needs. Right, that's obvious. A person needs to eat. He has this desire to procreate. These are basic biological realities. Thus, a person needs to be hydrated, and Hashem makes him thirsty in order to fulfill that, uh, that, that, that need. When he drank enough, he's not thirsty, right? No one overdoses on water, right? No one drinks too much water, right? 
So a desire for food, right? Once a person gets food, that's it, you're not hungry anymore, and most healthy people stop eating, right? So now, more precisely, craving has no built-in, right? He says, uh, I'm sorry, I made a mistake over here. A desire for basic food is similar. Once a person gets caught up in craving rich and delectable foods, right? So when you're starting to focus on good foods, the appetite mechanism ceases to function as an accurate gauge of need and becomes an end unto itself. So in other words, taiva for food, and we'll talk about other taivas soon, it's not like when you're thirsty, no one overdoses on drink. But if it's like a good drink, you're drinking something good, or let's say alcohol, right? No one's drinking it to quench their thirst, right? You're drinking it because you're, you're, you're chasing, right? So the natural end point that your body gives you has disappeared, right? And now there's no end point. Normally, you're thirsty, you drink, you're no longer thirsty, you can end. But when your thirst now becomes about something more, well, then there's no end point. What's the signal that you should stop? Right? Craving has no built-in endpoint, for it never really targets the physical need to be met. If you're looking for a physical need, you're thirsty, then okay. The, the, you have a built-in mechanism, you're no longer thirsty, stop drinking. But where you're not drinking because you're thirsty, you're drinking because you're running after something that tastes good, therefore the person just keeps eating more and more. Soon the same food no longer pleases him, and he needs different food. He becomes trapped in an addiction to a drive that cannot be satisfied. Because there's no natural endpoint. There's natural endpoints for things which are natural drives. The natural drive of eating, procreating, drinking, basic needs, there's an end. But where it becomes about something more, then there's no endpoint. The Ramban says that this explains many deviant and depraved behaviors. When a person no longer is satisfied by standard marital engagements, he enters an endless cycle of more erotic and erratic behaviors. And this is something which everyone knows. This is a Metzias, right? We're seeing the most, just we're getting more and more depraved at every generation and, and all the different, uh, you know, movements that uh, we see today by, uh, by, 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 by the left, right? And this is just, it's a natural thing, right? When you, we're done with the, with the Mishkub Zacher, we got that passed, and now we're, we're, we're up to the transgender, right? It's just nothing, right? This is, uh, is well-documented in the pornography industry, how, get, how depraved and, and right? because people aren't satisfied with regular, we need to be edgy, we need to go continue, and it just never ends because it's not a natural drive to begin with. Right? As a person contemplates a desire for that which is off limits to him, he needs to tell himself, this person or this activity will not satisfy me. Right? You think, if I can just do this thing, cross that line, I'll be fine. I've satisfied my taiva. It's not true. You'll feel an initial high, and then a letdown, and then it's going to become stale, and you're going to look for something else and more. And if I learn to rein in my passions, I'll reach a state of balance between rightful enjoyment and pleasant anticipation. Taiva can never be satisfied except by imposing discipline on it from without. It will never end. And this is a metzias, this is this practical. If you're into real taiva, you want to enjoy yourself, then you should actually control yourself because that's the only way you'll actually have true enjoyment. Right? Otherwise, it will just be endless and then you'll just get more depraved and you'll just go crazy. Right? Whereas if you rein it in, and you're disciplined about your pleasure, you'll actually enjoy what you're doing, you'll enjoy the pleasure of the actual moment, and you won't let it get carried away. So again, just a, just a practical, again, if you actually want to enjoy life, right? being addicted, no one looks at an, at a, at an addict, and, and, you know, a sex addict or whatever it is, and thinks, wow, he's, he has so much pleasure in his life. Right? You look at him as a sick person, right? and he's just not well, and nebuch on him, that he actually can never enjoy life, because he's always, he always needs something else. Number two is, as life moves on, the sense of happiness comes more and more from the heightened emotional connection between a husband and a wife, right? There's a physical, when you're younger, yes, physical is very important, the most important maybe, but as you get older, the emotional connection is what becomes more important. The intense pleasure and thrill of physical bonding slowly becomes replaced by the deeper, lasting happiness of marriage. I'm assuming I'm going to take his word for it, you know, I'm still, I'm still young. This depth of connection becomes a person's Sorry, deepest woman. treasure. Men also? What? Men also. Men also, yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> When a person strays, he breaks that bond. The relationship becomes hollow, for deep down he knows that he has betrayed a trust. 
Right? So when a person is not faithful, right, the physical pleasure slowly will wane and he'll be left with nothing but gnawing emptiness, right? You know, again, and then, then what's your marriage? Your marriage was, uh, the emotional connection is severed, and you're getting older and the physical is also severed, right? We see this, uh, you know, this phenomenon of older people, you know, you know getting divorced, you know, this is, this is part of it, right? He may pretend to be very happy and, and, you know, proud and happy with his marriage, but it's nothing more than a pretense. At some point, the spouse will sense that something's amiss. Even if she feels compelled to pretend that all is well, her feeling towards him will become a perfect, right? It will become hollow as his art to her. He has condemned himself to a hollow life, knowing that he has betrayed the deepest trust and that a person who trusted him is eating her heart out right and he says here a, 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 wow a powerful story here I'll read, I'll read his words a young man that I knew grew up in a home where the father was a quasi-rabbinic figure unfortunately he had become a serial womanizer to the point that, that while his wife was in denial the children all knew and were disgusted by it the children did their best to leave the house as soon as they could and were tremendously traumatized on a rear visit home the young man sits down with his father and tells him like this Abba let me explain the situation I plan on getting married soon and raising a family as it stands now, I will never ever mention your name, tell any stories about you, or ever quote you. After 120, I will not name a child after you, nor have a picture of you in my house. You will have been expunged from the family's memory. Abba, I beg of you, you're addicted and can help yourself. You must check yourself into a rehab facility and work on breaking your addiction so my children have a grandfather. I can have a father, and you won't be condemned to eternal covers. He says the story is true. Not everything ends as dramatically, but he says this is 100% true. Again, you, you know, you, you need to look, you know, there's this great clip with, uh, I think it's Jordan Peterson, uh, right, where there's some lady, some feminist, you know, news uh, interviewing him and says, she, she's, she, she's happy she doesn't have children, she's happy she doesn't have a family, she avoided, wow, she dodged a bullet there, right? And he says, yes, it's true, right now you're young, you have a good job, and you're feeling very, very driven by it. He says, but when you get to start being around 40, 45, he says, you become very, very lonely, and you'll spend the rest of your life just, just lonely without anyone, without any happiness, right? This is ultimately the true happiness in life comes from a deep connection, an emotional connection with the person's family, with his wife, and, uh, and compromising that to run after uh, Taiva, which is a couple of years at most, and, uh, right, is, uh, is very, very short-sighted. He says, once a relationship or improper behavior gets going, it's very difficult to stop, right? So start, try to stop before it starts. As hard as it is to resist, it's doubly hard to pull back. Nothing stays secret. Sooner or later, suspicions arise, right? Eventually, you will be found out. It's impossible to describe the repugnance children feel. Many times people have asked me if it's acceptable not to name a child after a grandfather, grandmother, because of their behavior, right? Is that what you want? Is that what you want your legacy to be? Chalish Baruch Hu gave us, and this will be the end of the, 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 uh, the Arayas, Chalish Baruch Hu gave us an incredibly powerful force that creates unbreakable bonds and an eternal family. This force can be as destructive as it is constructive. It gains momentum exponentially. The only way to prevent the destructive downward spiral is to avoid getting into it in the first place. If a person has let go of his self-control, then looking for help is the most courageous thing he can do. All right.